1: hello our beautiful friends in podcast land we are here with another amazing episode of Mike and Kristen with a fabulous guest and I am gonna be kicking things off and asking you Mike how you are today
0: I'm doing great I am excited we have another awesome episode we are just you know we're we're in California right now. <laughs> Right at this exact second. How bad can it be? We're somewhere in California.
1: Oh, sun on our skin.
0: I don't know where.
1: Yeah, I don't know where, but hopefully somewhere kicking it.
0: On this release date, like um, maybe a hundred years in the future when someone's listening to this, will be uploaded our consciousness into a computer system mm-hmm. and living in some type of digital world. But... On the day of this release, we will be in California. I thought
1: you were going to say we would just be like 140-some years old in California. That's possible. Which is also possible come that time. Yeah. We're going to live longer and longer as the years go by. I
0: took some vitamin D today, so I'll at least make 110. Oh,
1: geez. That's all you need. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So today, we have Kristen McNally on the podcast.
1: Krista was such a cool guest and was a referral from another guest, Edie Morris. So she was a photographer and she and Krista work together in photography, but also hosting retreats, international retreats. And they have their own podcast. Yeah. So they've got a lot on the go. And aside You're
0: gonna be on that podcast. I am gonna be a guest
1: on that podcast coming up and Aside from that, Krista also does something called Enneograms, uh, which I'm going to read a definition of if you've not heard of this, but the majority of our conversation focuses on taking you through discovering what your Enneagram personality is. So it's spelled E N N E A G R A M and the definition, I'm just reading this from the from I was going to say the website, from the internet. <laughs> So an enneagram uh, is derived from the Greek words ennea, meaning nine, and "gramma," meaning something written or drawn. And it's a model of the human psyche, which is mostly understood and taught as a typology of nine interconnected personality types. And Krista actually takes us through all nine of these personalities and gives a bit of description for each one so you can listen along and determine what your personality type is.
0: Yeah, she she dives into it pretty pretty hard. We don't like focus exactly on what we may be or whatever, but we we talk about all the different possibilities and where we could land. And I think it is really interesting because people can relate to whichever one stands out most to them and Cannot, if, and if they want to go any deeper, could could reach out to her and, and find a little bit more out about it.
1: Yeah, she would walk you through this test to determine your personality type. And she works a lot with couples as well. Yeah, And I can totally see how this would be valuable information to know about yourself. And certainly in a relationship, it's kind of like the love languages, if you're familiar with those tests or any personality tests, to just better understand who you're living with or making decisions with how somebody might be thinking or feeling differently than you how they might manage a scenario so it's just a great tool for your toolbox
0: yeah the more tools you have in in every aspect of life is is a better thing
1: you just need vitamin d and and the enneagram
0: yeah (laughs) that's the the secret to life
1: well there you have it you heard it here first
0: krista mcnally
1: thanks for being here
0: cheers folks
1: what's what's your concept for the podcast
2: so we're calling it the heart ventures podcast mm-hmm. and we are going to be interviewing mostly women who just kind of believe that incorporating adventure in your life is important what a great premise and
1: you'll have lots of great guests that I have hope, that in common
2: exactly and so we've we've started we've well we've done one interview so far and uh it was fun yeah So, what birthed this idea? So, um, we've been lucky enough to do three international retreats, um, and we are just kind of contemplating, like, okay, how can we grow this? How can we have more people be interested on coming on these adventures? And even, how can we draw people to Nova Scotia, like, out-of-towners and who don't necessarily know what Nova Scotia has to offer so like what about podcasts like we can just talk to different people and hopefully draw them in and see what we can do yes
1: what about adventure do you think is important to
2: lifestyle and well-being oh my goodness so from my both my personal experience and from the feedback that we get from the women who come on our retreats it's these these snippets of time that you take away from your day-to-day life that you focus fully on yourself and and having fun and having that adventure and just inviting something different it fills up your cup like you can visibly see it in people like they arrived in a certain state and then they leave like full of life and feeling alive and then i hope that that carries in to their day-to-day you know what I love
1: about this, I find being a middle aged wom- woman, I can speak from experience on how we get a lot of advice about self care that comes in the form of relaxation. Yes, that's important to take rest and take time out for yourself. But like you're describing, I find I'm a lot more rejuvenated when I go on an adventure, mm. not when I spend a week at the beach doing nothing but, you know, drinking margaritas. And for some people or in some circumstances in even my own life, yes, that might be the best fit. But I love that you're encouraging activity and stimulation and adventure as part of that rejuvenation for women.
2: Yeah, I've never actually thought of it like that, but it's so true. It's, it's, And the thing that we try to do too is like, okay, so yes, you can plan these big trips and that's great. And they have their place, but also how can you incorporate it more regularly? So it's not necessarily just looking forward to this one big trip a year, you know, like how can you also have adventure in your own backyard?
0: Mm,
2: That's so smart.
0: You said that uh, you want to show people what Nova Scotia is kind of all about and you had mentioned earlier that you're not actually from Nova Scotia originally, you grew up in Montreal. What were your first impressions when you came to Nova Scotia? What kind of took your breath away?
2: Oh, well, I mean kind of a cliche answer, but it had to be the ocean. Yeah. And so prior to arriving to Nova Scotia, so up until I was 16, I had really only been in Quebec and Ontario visiting family, like that yeah. that was my travel experience. And then when I was 16, I got a job working out west in Banff for the summer. And I was blown away by the mountains. Yeah. I was like, this is the m- most spectacular thing I've ever seen in my life. And so between the ages of 16 and 20, I kept returning to the mountains every summer because I just felt like my heart was there and and thought that that's where I would spend my life. And at you know, just really drawn there. But then the summer I was 20, that's when I met my now husband out in the mountains. And he, it turned out he was from Nova Scotia, which was never really on my radar. Mm-hmm. Um, but there I was in a relationship for the summer, and I, I thought it was just going to be a summer thing. The Um, 20-year-old summer fling that we all loved. (laughs) Exactly. Like, that realistically was what was going to happen. And I remember even having a conversation with my dad being like, oh, I think we're going to continue this relationship past the summer. And my dad was like, you're too young for that. You don't want to do long distance. Like, Mm -hmm. no, no, no. Anyway, so, but we, we, we did continue our relationship and here we are 16 years later. So... Wow. Uh, so yeah. So he brought me to the ocean, yeah. and um, and then I got so my tattoo is uh, the mountains and the ocean because I feel like that just captures that part of my life for me. So cool. Beautiful. Yeah. And you're you're married now. Yes. Did you get married in Nova Scotia? No. So the wedding was in Montreal, where I grew up. Mm-hmm. And your yeah. family's still there. Uh, yes, my mom and one of my sisters, and then my other sister lives in Toronto. But all my cousin and aunts and uncles they're they're all in Montreal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So was it here
1: that you began that you have many businesses or many outputs of your creativity and work? Did most of that happen here, or has this been a lifelong knowing of where your your path was leading you?
2: <laughs> Still don't know where my path is <laughs> leading me. So that definitely came while I was here. Um, so I did my formal education in environmental sciences. And then similar to you, Kristen, I was working a government job and um, thinking and hoping that being in this environmental sector, I would somehow positively contribute to the world, like in sure. my early 20s, like that's, that's what I really wanted. And I, I didn't, feel like I was actually helping or moving anything forward. So there was just a feeling of unfulfillment going into the office every day. And then so uh, uh, my husband's name is Steven, so I'll call him Steven instead of always saying my husband. Mm. Um, he got an opportunity to work in Texas of all places. Mm. Uh, but that allowed us to reevaluate, okay, like what are what are we holding on to here in Halifax? and can we have this adventure in Texas together? And does that give me an opportunity to kind of reevaluate and start over? Which it did. So while he was working down there, I studied nutritional therapy. And that was all about using food as medicine to heal. And um, that was kind of like my first step into doing my own thing and having my own business. And that's what I, I was working with uh, people. My business was called Food Savvy at the time, and um, actually, I like to think that I was one of the first who did the meal prep boxes, so mm. um, so fast forward a little bit, we left Texas after eight months, it wasn't really our thing, <laughs> came back to Nova Scotia, and I started these meal prep boxes where I was getting local meat, local veggies, and I was making these spice packs and giving people recipes to create their own food in their kitchen, and uh, also doing consultations of how to help people eat to feel better. But then I quickly realized that I, I didn't so much care about what was on people's plates as much as I did about their hopes and dreams and relationships and that realm of their life. Mm-hmm. So I kind of discovered that there was this thing called coaching that covered those aspects of people. So I went back and I did a degree in or a certification in that as well as yoga to kind of cover some like more spiritual aspects. Um, But then and and I worked in that world for, you know, maybe let's say five, seven years. But I've noticed with myself, like I go through waves. So now I personally don't relate to the coaching industry or world anymore. I don't know if I grew out of it or it's just not my thing, but I just I've just moved away. I've flowed on. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and uh so yeah, that kind of brings us to today where I'm more about like the the gatherings with groups of people and and yeah, creating um I don't even know how to put it in words, but just creating moments together. Like yeah, creating moments.
1: It's it's really beautiful. And I actually hear so much of myself in your story. I hope that's okay to say. I
2: love that. Yeah.
1: I can particularly relate to this idea of being really integrated in something and practicing that and believing in it. And for me too, it was kind of a a spiritual world. I worked doing massage therapy and I was a Reiki master and Um, yeah practice yoga very diligently and and I feel like that offered me a lot of the time but I too have grown out of that being so much a priority in my life and it just a lot of the values are the same but the way it's manifested is more in bringing people together
2: oh my gosh Mm. and having
1: this gallery which I've called Togetherland for this very reason of just community being at the root of it and it's It's kind of only now I'm able to look back and connect the dots of this progression and feel like, while I might not relate to or be immersed in that world anymore, I can certainly see how it was a stepping stone to where I am today. And also, like you, probably not finished, like don't really know what's next, but have this tendency to, yeah, worked in government 10 years, let's move on from that, like this
2: kind of progression. So thanks for articulating that so clearly. Oh, well, thank you for sharing that, because sometimes, in all honesty, I feel flaky isn't the right word, but I almost wish that I I had, like, that clear vision of, like, what I was heading for, what I want to do, what am I doing? That just has not been my path or my experience. I often say that I envy
1: Sidney Crosby more than most people, because that's a guy who, out of the womb, seems to have been destined for what he was meant to do and have felt that struggle of like, yeah, who am I? What's my purpose that so many women in particular people go through? Yeah. What, so, Mike, let's talk to you. You've been a musician for a lifetime.
0: More or less. <laughs> More or less.
1: Yeah, yeah. So how like how does this these stories we're sharing line up with your sense of knowing or or maybe groundedness in this is what my purpose is
0: I think for me I always loved music so much but I didn't know it could be something could be my career until we got to a point where a lot of things were aligning where we were making enough money at shows to pay for groceries and pay our rents and And when when you're uh, young and in your 20s, you do have this confidence that is probably partially from being naive and not uh, knowing how the world works. So uh, when I got into music as a full-time career, it was a lot of things aligning, having this confidence that young people generally have, and just being willing to do whatever I had to to take my career to the level I want to get to and when when you go completely all in on something it's for better or worse closes some other doors as well so I'm at a point right now Like if I wanted to do something else I don't think I really could unless I went back to school but right. I don't mm-hmm. really want to go back to university at 40 and start figuring out to A whole new career but you certainly can like it's not like it's impossible or anything but i put so much time and energy into what what my career will be that it just felt like this is the only path possible so my focus has always been on that i never really tried to and i never dreamed of being anything else so it was always just focusing on what what this path was and then how I can make it work and and now now I'm here and like for again for better for worse like my options are this is what I have to do unless I make a 180 in my my life and change it drastically Mm.
1: was that ever a fear for you Krista with like boxing
2: yourself in to one thing I don't remember it being a fear necessarily, Um, just in, again, like, so uh, I came, so in Quebec where the schooling system is, we graduate in grade 11 and then we have two years of what's called CEJEP. And in CEJEP, I studied uh, commerce, which gave me, like, I'm happy I had those two years. I'm glad I didn't study business in university, Mm -hmm. like that. Seja gave me the chance to to experiment with that, but then choosing environmental studies in university, I, it it, I just wish I had more guidance around like think about the job you want after school because I didn't necessarily think that studying that would lead for me to be in an office, right? Uh, whereas. I wish I would have had more insight, like maybe you're more of a people person and like what careers are in that. Um, But yeah, I've, I've just always kind of just gone with what my interest was in at the moment, which feels a little scary more than anything else, because even I think 10 years from now, I'm like, okay, what will I be doing?
0: But if you're always doing something you're interested in, what's wrong with that, right?
2: I think, (laughs) yeah, I, yeah, you're right. You're right. So um, last year was uh, my 20th high school reunion and leading up to that, I wasn't sure if I wanted to go because I was like in comparison mode. And I was like, well, I'm not a mother. I don't have this like quote unquote successful career that can be measured from the outside eye. So I felt a little less than maybe going into that. And I, I explained this to a few of my friends who I still keep in touch with from high school. And they were like, Krista, you're living the dream. You know, you're just like chilling in Nova Scotia, you're doing all these things. And I was like, oh, you're." but like I needed that outside perspective mm. of how, even though it might not be a traditional career path, it's like what I do have going on is pretty cool.
0: And that measure of success that you're referencing is basically just the monetary success and the the titles that people associate with success and that's that doesn't mean that those people are happy or that things are awesome in their life if you are a doctor and have 3 kids like for some people that's the most perfect life imaginable and they're entirely happy but just because someone's making x amount of money and on paper and on the, the feed of their social media shows all these, these highlights that are curated to express a certain lifestyle that doesn't necessarily mean it's success, right? Like it's when you come, when you think about success yourself, you probably value certain things that are different than maybe what those people would consider success. And at the end of the day that I think that's all that matters, what, how you feel about it.
2: Exactly. And the, my issue is that I have a tendency to think of like what others will think, and I don't yeah. like that tendency. But this actually ties into the Enneagram of just how I view the world, and uh, but it's what I'm working on to to it does it actually doesn't matter. What yeah. matters is my value and measurement of success. So.
1: I love your honesty about this because I think this is a shared emotion, but we feel like we should know better. And so we don't want to admit that we feel this way. Like we all have said at some point in our life, well, I don't care what other people think. It's very hard to actually embody that. So how has this led to the Enneagram? What is Enneagram, please, first and foremost, <laughs> for us and our listeners? And then we'll dig into what, how this plays a part in your life.
2: Okay, so the Enneagram is a personality assessment type. That really helps people understand both themselves and how they see the world. And the way I love to use it also is in relationships. So I can almost guarantee you that the way you see the world, Kristen, is different how you see the world, Mike. And when you can pinpoint and have this language between you two of the different ways you see it, it it's a beautiful thing.
0: Mm.
2: And having that knowledge will help
1: you work more harmoniously.
2: Oh, exactly. And just have more understanding and compassion for both yourself and each other, And how do you determine what that identity is? So you mean within the Enneagram system? yeah, so uh so have you ever with work or just through life done the myers briggs i test? have I've done that, and I've done uh, the Gallup test, too. Oh, yeah, the straights finder, yeah, yeah. So those are both examples of personality assessment where there's a standardized test. So you could go online, and you input your answers, and then you're given the output of who you are, and it and explains uh, what box you're in, and and it will give you the information. The Enneagram is different in the sense that there's not one standardized test, and the way I explain it is that. It's more of an art than a science to find yourself within the system. So you can definitely go online and there are tests where you can answer some questions and it will give you uh, what type you may land on. However, that may not be correct. So if anyone listens to this and they're curious and they go online and do a test afterwards, just use it as a starting point, not the be all end all. Because the best way to find yourself within the system is understanding all nine of the personality types and then drawing from there what your core type is. Okay.
1: So if you were to go online and do this starting point test, would that always be the same? Is that standardized no matter what no. kind of website you... Okay. No. So, so that, that too can, can vary. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it will always result in one of these, like the nine is consistent. Yes. Okay. Yes. Can we walk through what those nine
2: outcomes might be? For sure. Okay. So before I go into describing them, I want you to picture, there's a beautiful symbol that goes along with this Enneagram system. So picture a circle. And then within the circle, there's a triangle. And then overlaid on top of that triangle is another seven point shape so all all these lines are connected to the numbers and they're all interconnected and it's if people just google it or if it's in your show notes maybe we could put a picture Mm -hmm. of it so they can get the visual okay so we're gonna start so typically you would think we would start with the type one because it's number one but we're actually going to start with type eight because on our diagram it sits nine sits at the top And eight is to the left of that. And eight, nine, and ones are the three types that are in the body center. Okay. So compared to head and heart. So we're going to build our body first. And we're going to start with our type eight. So what I mean when they're in the body center is that people who are in this bracket, they make their decisions from their body. They get like a gut feeling or... A wave of something in their body first. They may not think that, like it, it might happen and they're not aware of it and then they go to their head and they think their head is making the decision, but if they pay close attention, it is coming from their body. So our type eights are really motivated by being protective of both themselves and those in their inner circle. That's what motivates them in general in life. And what they move away from is being vulnerable and showing any weakness. So these are the people in our life who may come off like really strong, have a really tough exterior. But when you get to know them, they actually do have a really big heart. But it's only going to be like a special few people who get to see that. Okay. Can you think of anyone in your life like that? And you don't need to say who, but. Yeah. yeah. Immediate people come to mind. Mm. <laughs> and
1: these pe- are would you say these people are those who typically are feeling those gut instincts or like they're experiencing this in their body yes yes okay
2: and these type 8s in particular they're pretty assertive they're confident with their decisions they they feel it they know it and they're going to move forward mm-hmm. um, a practice for the type 8s is to just notice when they're dealing with people like to just maybe use a little more tact and uh, sensitivity and empathy because it could be very easy for them to just like plow forward with their beliefs and to, to realize that there is strength and vulnerability, that they can show their true feelings. They don't always have to have this like tough exterior.
1: Okay. What is the title for that number eight
2: so the main one would be the protector. Right. Okay. So moving on to our type nine, also in the body center, these ones are often referred to as the peacemaker. And they are the people in our life who um, they want to keep the peace. They see both sides to every story and they they want to, to keep every they want they want everyone to be happy. And that's because they move away from confrontation. They don't and discomfort. They they don't love that. Um, so a practice for the Type Nines is to have confidence in their own truth and practice vocalizing that, mm. and not always going with the agendas of others. Do you have anybody come to mind, Mike, for this one?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, both of us. <laughs>
1: Well, and we spoke earlier, Krista, that having just reviewed briefly what these nine buckets are, titles, uh, is there a name for those? Like, just types? Or, or yes. Yeah, so how, ty- how should I best reference these? Uh, types is the best. Types. Name. Okay. Yeah. With that, we, you know, we see ourselves to some extent in, in all of them or most of them. So I think that's a good point maybe to make at the outset as well for anyone listening that it's not a, an all or nothing exercise
2: Exactly. So ideally, you a well-rounded person would be able to draw characteristics out from all these nine types. Mm. Uh, and a way to use this tool is to say, like, okay, so we we all have our core type. And with that information, we can pull from, okay, the type that I identify least with, how can I pull on their strengths to balance myself more out? And then once you go even more deeper, like if you know, for example, your core type is the nine, The arrows like that I was talking about at the beginning, not arrows, but the lines, they point to the type three and the type six. So it's like you have a direct path to those energies to incorporate that into your nine. So there's just different ways to use the system on your personal growth path. Okay, thank you for that clarity. So number one is next. Number one is next. So again, we're still in that body decision making center. Our type 1s, they're known as, uh, there's a few for this one, the reformer, the perfectionist, and um, yeah, we'll leave it at those two. And our type 1s, they are motivated by doing the right thing. They have a very strong moral compass, and they do see things as black and white, right and wrong. What they are trying to avoid is making mistakes they have a really harsh inner critic and which which all types do it's particularly loud for our type ones and so they they can be really hard on themselves if they get something wrong and it's not that they want to be know-it-alls they just don't want to let anyone down and anyone can be like their immediate surrounding or it can be so for example i'm married to a type one and he owed taxes one year and let's say the due date was June 1st he submitted them June 2nd because he just forgot and he thought he was the worst person in the world because he was a day late because he missed that rule
1: and because it's one of the body types would that then create anxiety in his body for example
2: so all these body types they don't necessarily experience it as straight out anxiety it comes out more as anger so okay. like a flushing in the face a heat in the body like angry with themselves mm-hmm. gotcha would someone in the type
1: one where it's more black and white would that mean a, say i'm just throwing out an example trying to learn here would a suggested career be say going into law where it is
2: black and white in that way 100 percent. okay yeah. And even for me, he's my husband's an engineer. So like that makes right. sense. This too, is the right? answer. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And even just knowing. So using like that tax example, um, in my mind, I'm like, it's not a big deal. Like you're not. it, It's it's going to be okay. I know those words in that moment don't comfort him. That just stresses him, him out more. I just so I just let him go through what he needs to go through and he will get over it in his own time without my reassurance that would just push him over the edge more
0: today's episode is brought to you by the amazing wilson's coastal club
1: this resort has eight cottages ranging from bachelor to three bedroom units so you can take the whole family along including your fur babies dogs are welcome
0: Mallory and Kyle, the owners, are two awesome people who have created the perfect getaway for you. And We've stayed there ourselves. And, you know, we felt like two little kids on vacation.
1: This hidden gem is right on the ocean. They've got a private beach with loungers for all of their guests, e-bikes, and all of the water sports like stand-up paddle boards, kayaking, swimming, and the ambient sound of the waves.
0: A lot of wildlife there, too. Loons. Ducks.
1: Seals. Cranes. Deer. Bunnies. And more bunnies! Woo!
0: (laughs) As if this place wasn't awesome enough, They're also offering fitness classes on the beach, wellness retreats, and meditation workshops.
1: Wilson's Coastal Club is open all year round. And if you're worried about the Nova Scotia winter nipping at your nose, don't fret, they've got you covered. They're offering Canadian-made cedar wood-fired hot tubs and oceanfront 10-foot red cedar panoramic view barrel saunas coming this fall.
0: Located at 7532 St. Margaret's Bay Road in Bootleers Point, Nova Scotia, you can book your stay at wilsonscoastalclub.com.
1: And if you book before October 30th and use the discount code Mike and Kristen, you'll receive 15% off your stay.
0: Woo! Private beach! Bonfires! Whoa! Good times in the Maritime! S'mores! Woo! Woo! Is it- what do you relate to out of those three the most, Kristen?
1: Well, I'd like to hear all of them, yeah. but I i, I mean, I, I see myself in all of them so far to yeah. some extent. I, I think the people, the pleasing one, perhaps mostly, yeah. but what I find interesting is um, hearing you speak, Krista, about your, your best response, perhaps, to, to the example you used about the, the day late. I think, I've been thinking about this lately, how How I might receive or give, be it anything from advice to comfort to energy, we often do that in a way that we want to receive it. So if I respond well to being comforted on a bad day, like maybe it's cuddling or physical touch or whatever, that is more likely to be how I might express that to you as my partner. Mm-hmm. But this information I can see is such a powerful tool, particularly in relationships, because it teaches you just because that's what you need, that might not be the case at all for your partner. And it can create even more tension between you or, or for that person in their own individual experience.
2: Exactly. And so the, just hearing you speak about physical touch, is that your love language? Uh, it's not my top love language, but that seems like a.
1: I, I just use that as an example. As an example, yeah. yes. I, but
2: I just find when partners learn each other's enneagram and love language combined, I'm like, this is the this is a key to yes. mm. a great relationship. I yeah, can see that love we've those. done our love
1: languages. What are yours? And well, my top one is quality time. Yes, mm-hmm. which yes. didn't come as a as a surprise. Really, yours was different.
2: What was your talk?
0: Uh, I can't remember exactly. Uh
2: There's words of affirmation. Uh that was his. Yeah, like
1: positive reinf- yeah. reinforcement. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to like jump in, but no, no, I remembered that I, being I couldn't it.
0: remember exactly cuz again, I feel like I can relate to <laughs> everything everything I hear. Like, oh, there's a little bit of that in me, a little bit of this. And, like like I find it hard to like be Exactly. Like, oh, this is one hundred percent me.
2: Of the three I described,
0: well, in any in like anything. in the the love languages or the three you described, like I can say I'm probably more this than that, but I can definitely take from from all of them. Like I, I definitely show lots of empathy and want everyone to get along and hate conflict. But I also feel horrible when I make a mistake in mm. anything. Like I don't want to let anyone down. Like it's and that's two different ones there essentially. Yep. So yeah, I don't, I don't I'll I'll have to hear the other ones. Yeah, well, let's see, see if where, there's uh... like a standout <laughs> one
2: and I will tell you like even after we go through this and there isn't a standout one, that actually gives us a clue of two potential types for you. Okay. <laughs> so uh, all these things yeah. add up fun. to yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so okay, we've covered our three types in the body center. So now we're going to move on to the heart center, which are our types two, threes, and fours. So our type twos, they are known as the givers and the helpers. And they are really motivated by being appreciated, loved, and wanted. What they move away from is rejection. So if they feel that they aren't wanted somewhere, like that can be really hard for our twos. What they need to practice is putting their needs before others, like that classic example of putting on your safety mask before putting it on the person next to you. Or we talked about earlier, like giving from that overspill over of your cup, you know, make sure your cup is full before you give. That's what our type twos need to practice and sit with. Okay. Okay, I'm just receiving yeah. now. Okay, okay. Uh, moving on to our type threes. So these are the people in our life who are really motivated by accomplishment and appearing successful. So um, they move away from failure, and they might be the people in your life who are constantly like setting a goal and hitting it, setting a goal and hitting it, and even to our earlier conversation. I think there's a lot of three energy in our society of like what is success, you know, and I think I kind of grew up with that of like Mm -hmm. the appearing successful. So Um, what our threes need to sit with and practice is knowing and remembering that they are human beings. I'm saying that in quotations uh, and not human doings so they can sit and be and relax and they can delegate and it doesn't need to be all them.
1: I was reading a book this morning. Uh, it's called Untamed by yes! Glennon Doyle. Love it. It's a book. It's very popular. I just haven't had a chance to read it yet. And she was writing about being raised for productivity, essentially. That might not be the word she used, but that being celebrated. Like your your worthiness is an outcome of your output and achievement and how as an adult, it's manifested in her finding such a hard time just just being, just resting, just watching a TV show in the middle of the day, like what's wrong with that? And she said she's walked in on her wife watching TV in the middle of the day and her wife like immediately stood up and started tidying so that she would look productive because she knows that that's the reaction she's quote, her wife is quote, looking for like Glennon Doyle. And that really hit for me because I too grew up in a house that We weren't scolded if we weren't working, but I always saw my parents working, like for them to sit down and even read for five minutes was a struggle. And Mike and I have actually had to have many conversations throughout our marriage to say, I don't mind if you need to just take a day off. Mm. Like if you want to just lay down in your pajamas all day, I'm not judging you. But I know this has come up for us multiple times because we as individuals struggle with that guilt. So while you have given me, quote, permission to do that, I still have a hard time letting myself do it. Right?
0: Well, we had friends here last week and just in conversation, a couple of things came up and I, I, I told them I had never actually laid down on our own couch. Like, and I never have, like, I've, I've never took, taken a nap in my life. I've never, I'm always, I always feel like I have to be doing something and, and I enjoy the stuff usually I enjoy. Like, I, I just have energy and I'm like, I don't feel like laying down on the couch in the middle of the day or it's just, uh, and I never really thought about that about myself. Like, I guess, yeah, I, I'm always on the go, but, uh, it took other people to kind of point that out right Mm -mm. and yeah we're both like that so we
1: like laziness is the worst word you could possibly hear to describe ourselves yeah is something i feel like we've struggled with so i just yeah that one really hit
2: yeah and so what's it like in the evenings for are you guys able to relax in the evenings
1: more so
0: more or less yeah. yeah um Still, never laid down on the couch. I'll sit on it, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but yeah, we'll we'll eat eat a, kind of a late supper and maybe watch a show while we're eating, and then and then like do some stretching or something, mm. uh, do a cold dip or something, and then go to bed. But yeah, they're, they're a little more relaxing than during the day for sure.
2: I noticed that uh, there was a while when Stephen was working away for work and when I was just home alone I would catch myself being on my computer and doing work stuff until nine o'clock at night and I was like this is not okay like you know I you need that rest you need that break and so now I value that he he brings that in for me and he reminds me that it's not about all the productivity
1: yeah, but this is like you said at at the beginning of this part of the conversation, this is a cultural thing. Mm-hmm. Like we we look at people that are the the biggest success or those who are just pounding out output.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. It when it, it's hard in our careers where we have to be doing this work to actually find success where we don't have a boss, we don't have and there's no ceiling on where our careers can go. So we can get to a certain point and it's not like we got to a position where now, now our wage is this for the year. It's like we may have like a really successful month or whatever, but if we don't keep working, you make zero the next month. So it's, it is it uh, is the careers we chose have kind of forced us on that path as well.
2: Well, I do think about that often. I wonder if I had, you know, a more typical nine to five, if at five o'clock I would be able to lay on the couch and just shut it off and do nothing.
0: Yeah.
1: I don't know. Right. Well, so is some
2: of the comments we're making relatable to
1: you being an entrepreneur? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Well,
2: even just the little things about like turning on a show and stretching. I'm like, oh, that sounds like my household. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> like I can't just turn on a show. I have to be, like oh, I better be stretching but, mm-hmm. now at the same time.
1: Yes, or sketching or like something that yeah. But it's funny because we see those activities as our form of relaxation. Like it's it's still not nothing. Like we haven't gone to the zero on the lazy scale, but it's lazier than doing a hit workout and
2: <laughs> having a show like yeah.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah, we're getting there. We're getting
2: there. Okay, carry on. Okay, <laughs> moving on to our type fours. So um, so Glennon Doyle, she she is a fan of the Enneagram, and she talks openly how she's a type four. And our type fours, so again, we're in the heart center, and they are really motivated by being understood and showing their uniqueness. And they move away from... So they, our type 4s, they really feel like they have this flaw within them that no one else in the world has. Like Mm. they feel kind of isolated that way, Um, which isn't true, right? Because we all have our flaws, we all have our things, but the type 4s, they really take it to heart and really feel it. So what the type 4s work to do is, is to just see, they really are good at seeing like the beauty in humanity, and they also see like the pain and the hurt, and for them, it's about like finding that balance and not getting trapped in the longing for something else.: Wow, this one's hitting too.
0: yeah, they they all have little little components that they kind of get you.
1: I feel like most people want to be understood. yes like seen for who they are. And I can understand how that type four, if, if that's a, a dominant quality within you would be all the more difficult.
2: Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And they, uh, there's actually a lot. Uh, well, no, I was going to say there's a lot of artists and musicians who fall in that type four, but the reality is there there's a lot of artists and musicians in all the types. So yeah. Yeah.
0: And I feel like, artists in general are are able to pick up on the beauty of things mm-hmm. a little bit more than than other people, and that's why they've become artists. They're able to see that and create some representation off that. So maybe there are a lot in this category.
2: Yes. Mm.
1: We talked to Didi about that when she was yeah, on at yeah. Milford House, seeing, I think it was Fireflies and... Yeah, her being really fixated in that moment and us asking, like, do you think everybody kind of sees that in the same way? Or is it the creative or photographer
2: mind that's, like, really paying attention? Exactly. And so she has a lot of four energy within her. So her her main type is the type seven, but then her second type is the four. Okay. So, yeah, she's got a lot of that going on. Right. Okay. okay, so those are our height types. Uh, and actually, before I forget, I do want to say, uh, do you know the musician Sleeping at Last? He's I, somewhere I in the U.S.
0: I don't think I do. Maybe, but
2: he did a project a few years ago where he wrote a song for each of the Enneagram types. Cool. And he paired that with like a um, a nine episode podcast of the different types where. He got an expert in to talk about the types and then played a song cool. and like why he added that. like so let's say for example his mom was a type four. He got his mom to make some kind of a noise that he incorporated in the track. Uh, and he did that with all all the different types and everyone everyone he loved, he incorporated them somehow on their type. Nice. So it was a really cool project. That's a very cool idea. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's a Canada
1: Council slam dunk, by the <laughs> way. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Okay. So moving on to our head types, our types. Oh, actually, before I do that. So you remember how I told you for the body, uh, those types, they um, kind of revert to anger as their primary emotion. Mm -hmm. Our heart types revert to shame. So they feel that guilt. They feel that shame, just generally speaking. And our head types, they revert to fear and anxiety. And again, it's not to say that if you're in the body type, you're not going to feel the shame that you, we all feel all the things. It's just kind of more of like a default, more accessible feeling is these general ones for the body types. So moving on to our heads, our type fives are motivated by being completely self-sufficient and competent. And they Move away from giving away too much of their energy. So, they're the people in our lives who tend to be a bit more private. Like talking about their life on a podcast would not be something that a Type Five wants to do, mm-hmm. and they just really value their privacy and also their energy. What they may not be able to articulate it that way, but they, it might show up as them saying no to. A plan with you because they need to go home and just be themselves. They're they're afraid their resources are going to run out. And would those people typically be introverts? I would say typically yes. However, there's always exceptions, and one of them is uh, one of the top Enneagram teachers. He's a Type Five, and he's out there all the time doing workshops and conferences and podcasts and spreading a word about the Enneagram. However, he's not necessarily talking about his own personal life, and right. he's also taking the time to go back and restore his energy as he needs. Okay.
1: Using this example, is it encouraged, if you're type five, is it encouraged to put yourself out there in that personal way? And if so, is it in the spirit of balance? Exactly. Okay. You hit the nail
2: on the head. Okay. Okay. And to to practice, like, talking about yourself and knowing that, you know, your privacy is not going to be taken away from you by being vulnerable and sharing and stuff. Okay. Great. Yeah. Ready to move on? Yeah. Our type sixes are motivated by they want security, they want support, and they want guidance. And that's because they're moving away from uncertainty. And so how this shows up is, uh, I like to give the example of one of my girlfriends was about to go out on a date and she texted me a bunch of pictures of outfit options. And, you know, some people would just make that decision. They don't need to consult anyone. But this friend who I know she's a type six sent me all these pictures saying, you know, what what should I wear? And I just have to laugh because I think that is like a classic type six behavior to Ask around and get all the opinions before making their decision. So as her friend, yeah. I was able to go back and encourage her and say, um, George is calling okay. at the door. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You keep sure.
0: going, I'll let him out. Yeah, I yeah. see you
2: guys looking. I'm like I can hear
1: him out of like, the yes, I'm so sorry. No, it's all good. He uh yeah, he won't stop <laughs> until we let him outside. So <laughs> we'll just take care of this. <laughs> Oh, he's up three or four times in the night usually. So. Oh, no. Yeah. He's a restless guy, but...
2: Hi, honey. I see him. You see
1: him? Mm-hmm. Say hi, George. Nope, Scampered off. Yeah. Here we go. Get some fresh air, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yes. And we have foster kittens at May. Yeah. <laughs> it's just one of those times.
0: The door's usually not shut.
2: Oh. Yes, that's the thing. Yeah, the kittens have been coming around. Oh, have They're, they? Yeah, there's one oh, right now. okay. And sorry, guys, I heard my cell phone go off like, oh my gosh. That's all right. <laughs> that's It's the day of just interruptions,
1: but we're rolling with it. It's all good. So I'm so sorry. Please carry on. Yeah,
2: so going back to our sixes. So as her friend and as someone who I know she's a type six, because again, the people in my life, I, I encourage them to find out their type. So we have this as a language to use with each other. And so I can say to her, instead of giving her my opinion, I'm like, okay, what's your instinct? What's your gut on this? To guide her back to herself versus Mm. what I'm telling her. Mm -hmm. So she probably went and texted another friend to get an answer because like (laughs) that would be something a six would do. But, you know, what sixes can practice is tapping into trusting themselves and not having to consult everyone. Mm Mm-hmm. Good example. And so then our type sevens, which will wrap up our flow of the types. These are the people in our life who are motivated by the future. They always want something fun to look forward to. They have a lot of energy and um, a lot of uh, vibrancy for, for what's to come. Uh, they are moving away from boredom that boredom is not anything they would ever want and this tends to be because they are not comfortable with sitting any pain that might be going on for them Mm. so they they show up as super positive and fun and they're they are a blast to be around and as their friends and family we can encourage them to to sit with any of the more um, less fun feelings that may come up, and so the work for the type seven is to sit with themselves and and feel all the feelings and not just stay in like that positive realm. Wow, this is very valuable information to have about ourselves,
1: and I really appreciate how you've talked about having that with your friend group, like a partner or your family or your friends. All of this is. Going, going to sup- help support
2: them exactly and i say i i use it as a it's like a language in relationships because so as i mentioned if people look at the diagram and see how the lines connect to each other um let's say a type nine goes to a type six it takes on that six energy when they're stressed mm-hmm. instead that then becomes a language like you can see someone in your life slipping into that six energy of um like feeling highly anxious and not being able to make a decision and you can say you're going into your six energy and that could be less triggering than saying like you're spiraling right is it common for people to change types as they age or have new experiences no so basically so basically all these types i just described to you are our coping mechanisms So the theory is is that we come into this world and between the ages of zero and seven, we aren't our Enneagram type, but in those years we develop our primary coping mechanism and then by the age of seven you are that type for life. And you can pull from the other energy. So I'll just give you the example, I'm a type two, I really don't want to be a type two. And I'm in denial and like I want to switch, I wanna be the four, I wanna be the seven. You know what I mean? Like I mm-hmm. I wanna think that I can change. But the reality is like my core motivations and my core wounds come from that type too. So instead of like wishing I was a different type, it's more so how can I pull from these energies and just work with what I've got? Hmm. Do
1: you see yourself, Mike, in any? One, I I know nothing necessarily like 100%, but is there something that spoke to you more than the others that you identified Uh,
0: with? There's a few that didn't speak as much. Yeah. Um, The second one. The uh, type nine? The nine, and then the last one, felt like they both did.
1: The futurist? Yeah. So when I did the Gallup test, futurist was my number one. Your strength? Strength. Yeah. That came out. And I think empathy was the second. Oh my gosh. Those are two of mine from that test. Really? Yeah. 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 We have a lot in common. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Yeah. But that's that's and I see the, the four as well. I can I can see that um, being a dominant thing. But but I hearing you describe it, I'm more going to seeing it in other people. Like Mm -hmm. I'm reminded of and and it's maybe given explanation to some of those behaviors.
2: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And so for people who are interested, like I definitely recommend going online and maybe I can give you guys. I have like a resources page on my website that people can just um, go to the test I Because we do, again, live in a society where people want to do the test and get that output immediately. and So even though that's not going to tell you 100% what you are, you can use it as a starting point and play. Mm -hmm. Um, But then I also have like podcast recommendations and other readings that people can do online if they want to jump into this world more. Yeah, Yeah,
0: we can link all those things and get... uh, people to be able to reach out to you if they would have any questions or want to talk more about it for sure.
2: Yes, because my favorite thing to do is I do these Enneagram interviews where we go through questions and I love doing it with couples because I would ask each of you the same question and it's so fun to see the different reactions to the questions like just for you guys as a couple you know what I mean like you ask
0: them together or separate yeah yeah
2: Yeah. so you're sitting side by like they're done through zoom so you're side by side on your screen I tell people to like you know make a date night out of it get a bottle of wine and then uh yeah we go through this and by the end we figure out your top enneagram energies and And there's some follow up work for you guys to do as a couple and have discussions around. And yeah, it's a lot of fun. So, this is how people would work with you they would schedule an appointment,
1: it would be a Zoom, and it can be on your own or with a partner or with a friend. Like, can you? Yeah, I suppose. I mean, I've
2: never done that, but that would be so fun. Yeah. Okay. And how long ish does that process take? An hour and a half. Okay. And you're just verbal questions, verbal questions. And but I do have the video going because, again, there are some um, body language cues that also contribute to people's types. Mm. So, yeah. And how were you trained to do this work? So I started working with a, um, you know, the company Sage Natural Wellness. They Mm -hmm. do the essential oils. Back then, so this is probably like seven years ago, it was part of their company culture that everyone, whether you were like on the ground floor in retail or upper management, you knew your Enneagram type. And it was a part of the culture and just how they interacted like behind the scenes as a company. So I got involved with that and was doing coaching with some of the staff and workshops around that with them. And then I. I loved it so much I took an official training through an organization called Conscious Connections and um, that was my Enneagram certification training with my teacher Deborah Uden. She's amazing and so many good things to say about that. Uh, And then I went further because like I loved working with couples and I have another certification uh, specifically for the Enneagram and marriage. And My teacher in that, she actually just wrote a a book about it called The Enneagram in Marriage. Her whole philosophy is that when you both know your types as partners, you as a couple have like a special glow that you give to the world. That's kind of your superpower. Mm. And figuring that out and knowing, because like we all have strengths and weaknesses. So knowing that as a couple, you can be aware of any blind spots and things you can work on, but also where you thrive and how to boost that up even more.
0: What are some of the things you've experienced while working with a couple that's, that you saw in a, in a positive way? Like, Have you seen just people grow closer together and just be able to understand each other?
2: So interestingly, I don't work long term with people. It's yeah. kind of like a one and done. And um, so I, I get that maybe a couple signs up and they do this and maybe they'll never talk about it again. However, I like to believe that even if it was just like an hour and a half, two hour period of their time, something shifted, something clicked. There was some sort of realization for them as a unit that yeah. brought them closer together or more understanding or have more compassion for each other during an argument. And yeah, that I just kind of trust that.
0: Yeah. It seems like all the things you've done since you've started your career of your career path in life have been helping other people and bringing people together, making them better. Is that something reflects in your own Enneagram?
2: Yeah, so as a type 2, that, that is called the helper. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, so it does, I guess it does come come naturally. Yeah. And yeah, something, because some, the principle that I operate by is like I love this thought of a temporary crossing of souls. So that could be the three of us here right now. It could be a week-long retreat that Didi and I do together. Uh, it can be an hour long so in out in my home in Lawrence Town, out of my basement we have Lawrence Town wellness where i do a hot stone i don't even like to call it yoga anymore because i don't associate with yoga but yeah for the sake of understanding it's a hot stone restorative yoga class and so just these different snippets of time it's just we will probably never that group of people will not be in the same room and space but you had this moment together and I feel like that's what I live for—just these moments.
1: I feel like that too is such a good reminder of people coming into our life and serving a purpose, and it being okay to let them go. Mm-hmm. It's that's that too has been something I've had to learn with time. That you know, I look back at even really close friendships from different cities I've lived in, and almost feel a guilt that that connection's not still there, but yeah. have had to find a peace with. What a beautiful moment, like you're saying, what a beautiful moment that was to have that person. And now I have other people, and some of those might not be part of my life when I'm 50, 60, 70, and
2: beyond. So, you know, you're just making me have like a a light bulb moment here because Mm. I mentioned to you guys how I went out to Banff when I was 16, and we were 10 students, like it it was for a, a government program that we were all a part of, and we were 10 students living in a home and you become so close, right? Like when you're in a situation like that. Mm -hmm. And I felt so much sadness when that summer was over because it was so much fun. And like, I love these people so much. Oh my God. I'm like really having an epiphany Uh, here. Cause I feel like what, maybe what I've done slash I'm doing is trying to recreate that closeness. Cause that was a temporary crossing of souls and it was the best feeling ever. Yeah. And now that's what I'm seeking again. Seeking and creating for others, perhaps. Yeah. Mike, you've
1: talked about a similar experience in around that age with your first band. Like the heightness of that energy and closeness and yeah. friendship, really.
0: And the fact that we're we're creating moments for other people playing a live show you have this room that's together this group of people that's never going to be the exact same group of people ever again and you create this shared experience where you all go through it together and at a great live show the the band or the artist is feeding off the crowd and the crowd is feeding off them and when it's both happening like that it just grows to this nuclear level almost so it's this feedback between each other that that creates this amazing energy and then that I think that's the beauty of live music where that energy just just expands exponentially and yeah definitely being a young person getting to experience that while playing music with my best friends like that's something i I probably became addicted to that that mm, feeling right. wanting to do that and seeing people feel happy playing playing songs for them and and knowing that people are benefiting from your music like getting a random message every once in a while, someone whatever's going through a hard time and they listen to this song and it helps them through it and then you feel like you're responsible. To keep doing this because you, you have these people out there who are relying on you in maybe a a small way, but when that responsibility is on you in a good way, like that's, that is very motivating.
2: And even just hearing you say that. So I love live music and I love concerts and I think it is because like, as an audience member, like you're in it together. Yeah. And you're all here for that commonality, so yeah, it's cool to intertwine all those things, experiences. Like, yeah, and, and we uh, figured out before we started recording that we've probably all been
1: in the same room listening to live music together in yeah. the past. It's had to have happened, yes. Maybe we're in some kind of video even. <laughs> if you were if
0: you were at the shore club shows, what, three three years ago, the ones the, the sit tape, down ones, the t- yeah, sit down ones, yeah, we. We were there, and you had you had to be there for the opening act because they scheduled it like that for those. Like at a normal non COVID show, you just show up whenever. Yeah. But these yeah. ones were like, you're you're getting in there at nine o'clock or whatever it was. and so yeah, if you were there, you would have yeah saw, for saw sure. us play and Kristen was at all those shows. You were so. at all of
2: them.
1: I was selling merch.
0: Yeah. Oh
2: my god. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I probably bought. I bought the songbook book that year, so I might
1: have bought that from you. I'm sure. Yes, yeah, so I'm sure we crossed paths, <laughs> and this is now destiny that we're back together. Yeah. I really, I really, Krista, feel like I, I love you. Oh my god. And uh, it, it's just been really so just joyful to to spend time with you and. I could sit here for hours just just chatting away, but I want to respect your your time and how much we're taking of that today. But I, I just this is such important information, I think, for people to have about themselves and even to know that it exists. Uh, so I'm I'm just really grateful to be able to share this with our audience even. So thank you for walking us through this and in, in detail and providing examples and entertaining our questions along no, the way. Love it and I love it. Thank you,
2: guys. Yeah.
0: And uh, what is the website people can find you at?
2: So if people are interested in the Enneagram work, you would go to teambuildagency.com. Okay. You'll find that information there. And then if they're interested in joining any Heart Venture retreats, that's heartventures.ca.
0: We'll put all that in the show notes there. And
1: Yeah, I want to thank uh, Didi as well for connecting us and Yeah, thanks, Dee Dee. She recommended you'd be a great guest and she wasn't wrong.
0: (laughs) Yeah, thanks so much for being here and uh, a pleasure to get to meet you and know you and yeah, look forward to learning more about you and getting to know you better. Yes. And maybe
2: go dancing on Uh, December eighth at the Mike's Town Hero Show. Let yeah, I will be there. Perfect. (laughs) See you then. (laughs) (laughs) Cheers, (laughs) folks.
0: But so that's pretty cool, eh? Yeah,
1: and we know ourselves a little better now. Yeah.
0: We gotta get the deeper the deeper dive with her as well.
1: I appreciated how she also commented that you probably see yourself in each of these nine or a little bit, like parts yeah. aspects of your life you would maybe connect to one number more than the other or they're interchangeable. So it's not an all or nothing test, but yeah. this was a very, I loved this. This is a fun exercise. It's interesting. And maybe people learn something today.
0: Oh, I would say most definitely. This is, uh, I, I'd never heard of it before, but I've, I've seen similar things. And I think anytime you get to know your personality on a little bit of a deeper level, you're able to know yourself better and relate to other people better and know how you're going to react in certain situations and that's never a bad thing.
1: Yeah it can help you it can help guide you and uh, even give you some comfort to know that well this is just how I am this is how I was born so it's okay to to feel this way or behave this way. I have also included uh, a photograph an image of the enneogram diagram that she speaks about so the nine points yeah. if you look in the show notes you can see a, a photograph of that and of course Krista's website which gets gives you more information and you can schedule an appointment with her
0: awesome well thanks for listening as always folks uh, we appreciate each and every one of you and yeah tell a friend if, if any of these episodes resonate with you share, share a link share share one with, uh, with a bud if you think they could find something in in this episode or any other ones out there it means a lot to us to have your word of mouth spreading our gospel around and uh yeah it's uh, very much appreciated to have the support we do from you all right back to vacation back to california land